of yours. And we come rejoicing in this fact this morning as we come to Now, with your wonderful Amen. recognition for those who are visitors with us. So if you are a visitor, I'm going to ask in a moment for you to raise your hand that our men here at the front, as they come up the aisle, would see you, and they will give you one of our visitor's cards. And then if you'll stand right now, and all of you who are not members of our church, but are so that they can see it, and we can see it. We do welcome you to our fellowship, and trust this will be a real blessing to you this morning. Take the card and fill it out, if you will, and drop it in the offering plate. It's a little later in the This way we have a record of your visit. We can uh, share with you a letter of appreciation for your coming and be praying for you, too, as you are here with us. It is a joy and a pleasure to have you to come and visit with us. Tonight, I hope and trust that all of you will be back at 7 o'clock. Excuse me, uh, Dave, let me change that. Make that 6 o'clock for church training and then 7 o'clock for a special music program here at this Christmas season. Our church choir, under the direction of our minister of music, Brother Harry Hampshire, will be presenting to us the wonderful Messiah. So you'll want to be sure to be here tonight at 7 o'clock. Then if you have not already turned in your Lottie Moon Christmas offering, let me urge you to do so this morning or during this week. We're over the halfway mark now towards our reaching our goal of $17,440. So you be sure to give your share and uh, help in this wonderful attempt to reach around the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Then our Christmas uh, kindergarten program is tomorrow evening at 7 o'clock in the lower sanctuary. We want to extend an invitation to you, whether you have a child in the Christmas program or not, to come and be a part of it. So many have wanted to see it through the years, but because of it being at noon, they could not do it. Now is your opportunity to do so. Now, Brother Mike McCarley, our Sunday School report. Thank you, Brother Norman. Had an excellent group this morning of our youth who come and share together in our annual Christmas breakfast. A wonderful time of fellowship, of sharing, and of studying God's Word together. We always are delighted to have new members in our Bible study program. Special welcome this morning to three. Delighted to have 18 visitors. We hope that you'll come back and share with us again as we study God's Word together. A total attendance of 919, exactly the same as last Sunday. Let's grow now together as we invite others to come and share with us during this Christmas season. Amen. Thank you. May we stand together as we begin our morning worship.
Heavenly Father, we have gathered in your house to worship you and to serve you. We rejoice, Father, in the truths of your word that have been planted in hearts already this day, for the devotion and the skill, for the consecration of teachers who give of themselves week by week, day by day, that we might know your word and through your word know you better. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that the seeds of your word that have been planted in our hearts already might bear fruit in the kingdom. Heavenly Father, we come to you with this hour so conscious that the past is past and that we do not know of a tomorrow, but in this moment that you have given us, help us, help us to seize it and help us to live it and help us to do in it in thought, in decision, in deed, that which would bring honor to you and that, Lord, that we would be willing to live with through all eternity. We ask your blessings upon all who have come to your house to worship. We thank you for this witness. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the many thousands who share in this service on television. So many, Father, as shut-ins in the hospital room, in the nursing homes. We pray for them, cause them to know that we love them and are concerned, and that our prayer is that the Holy Spirit, evident in this room, would be evident to them wherever they are. We pray your blessings and your guidance that this hour would make a difference in the kingdom and this we pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.
number 66. O come, all ye faithful. Number 66. Seventy-three. Gentle Mary laid her child lowly in a manger. Number seventy-three.
hymn of offering this morning is number 71. It came upon the midnight clear. And as we stand to sing, our brethren will prepare to receive our morning tithes and offerings. Let's stand. send the Lord Jesus as the babe in Bethlehem to become the Christ of Calvary and because of this we come today to worship him who is our Lord and Savior we thank thee for the blessings of life that thou hast given to each one of us and for this opportunity of being in this place this day bless our gifts today bless each gift and giver for the ongoing of thy kingdom because we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen.
depths of all the mighty oceans. We may tell the distance to the farthest star, but the mighty love of God cannot be measured. Its dimensions are so high, so great, so
The title of the message this morning is No Power, No Peace, No Love, If Jesus Had Not Come. And the text for the message this morning is found in Mark's Gospel, the 10th chapter, beginning at the 17th verse. This story that is familiar to us and contains so many marvelous truths, God's marvelous message. Mark, the 10th chapter. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. <coughs> thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and he went his way grieved, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked round about, and he said unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again, and saith unto them, Children, how hard it is for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle 
than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Well, if a rich man can't be saved, who then can be saved? And Jesus, looking upon them, said, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. Our world is an admirer of power. A great part of the crisis that the nation faces today is the crisis of power. Our energy. We have for decades used our energy resources as though there would be no bottom of the barrel. The whole international situation that constantly brings a disturbance and an uneasiness is a matter of power. It's the balance of powers between the big powers, the atomic powers, and the have-not or the little powers. History itself can be read and studied in the light of the giants and the pygmies. The Christian, and by Christian, I take it that word, that sacred and holy title in the New Testament definition of Christian, one who has had a personal a real and a vital experience with the living Lord Jesus. The Christian has discovered in this matter of power that inward power, inward peace, inward joy, and the realization that God is a God of love comes when that Christian individual receives fully and lives within the gracious love of God. The love of God is the theme of the Bible. If God did not love us, he would not have inspired the writing of the Old Testament or the New. It is because of the love of God that there is an angelic order ready to minister to the needs of the children of God. Because of the love of God, though all things in the world seem to be haphazard and to go 
at odds. Because of the love of God, the Christian knows that while he may not understand what is happening and certainly has no more insight into what tomorrow will bring than anybody else, the Christian knows that in the words of Jesus, with God, all things are possible. This is power. This is the power of God, manifest, evident, made visible, working in all of our lives. The secret of personal inner power, the secret of personal inner peace and joy, the secret of knowing the love of God is indeed the object of search on the part of a great many people today. There are literally millions, I'm convinced, who are searching for this, though not knowing of it in its religious sense, not knowing that there is Christian value, not knowing terminology, but searching and longing and wishing for an inner peace and an inner power nevertheless. For these millions of individuals know their lives to be inadequate and empty and not really accomplishing very much day by day. Indeed, it's very possible that there are a number of you this morning who would find that your own life would be characterized in this way. The feeling of inadequacy to meet the problems of life, the challenges that life presents day by day, Somehow, some way, in spite of church, in spite of praying, in spite of Christian friends, in spite of your Christian past, somehow or other, life is not really as full or as satisfying or as meaningful as you really wish it might be. And so you, like countless millions of others in the world, have sought to find the secret of inner power, some satisfaction, that joy, the thrill of life itself. You've sought to find what is called in the New Testament grace, in many ways. There have been many good activities that folks engage in, in an effort to fill up the void, the emptiness, to recharge the, the batteries of life, to have enough strength for day-to-day -day living. We do it by means of 
good associates, companionship, friendships, and this is fine. Who is it that would deny that we are blessed by having good friends? Who is it that could deny that being around good people does not come with some kind of a, of a buoyancy, of a help? It's far better to be around pleasant people and happy people and people of evident spiritual strength for something of the life splashes over and we're blessed by being with them. And so there are many who seek to find this missing power in their own lives, this missing strength and joy and the love of God simply in the matter of associating with others. There are those who, who seek to find this that the New Testament calls grace in the involvement in the arts, great music, great painting, and beautiful sculpture, in the reading of noble literature. Now this is all right, and this does a certain amount of good, and this fills a certain area of the emptiness of life. But it is never able to provide to the fullest that which God wants us to have, and that which God can provide. There are those who seek to fill the voids of life to make up for the inadequacies to gain new strength in the involvement in creative hobbies. Not only the enjoyment of art that others have created and do create, but the active participation in the creative process itself. And certainly this is a soul-satisfying kind of a thing. There are those men and women who find their measure of adequacy of life coming from the thrust that is thrown into the business or professional life, burning the candle at both ends, working all the hours of the day and night, accounting success as marks on the wall, somehow or other, the success built upon success is an effort on the part of countless millions to take care of this sense of inadequacy and this spiritual void. Now, all of these are good things, but not one of them or not all of them taken together is able to supply the thing that the rich young man wanted and needed, and the thing that you want and the thing that you need more than anything else. That is a spiritual relationship with God that is firm, that's solid, that's sure, that's able to take the buffetings of disappointment the winds that blow, 
the changes of life, all of the various events that would come to crush us and destroy us, this kind of a relationship that has value and that has permanence. All of these things that I've mentioned can go only so far by the millions. There are those who seek to find an adequacy of life, some inner strength, some joy, some source of power by going at it entirely wrong. The liquor industry is a counterfeit industry. For somehow, through all of its advertising, it would lead one to believe that by drinking from the bottle with a good companionable crowd, that your inner inadequacies will disappear and that your unhappiness will go out the window and that you will be adequate and that you will be happy. It's counterfeit stuff. The devil is having a heyday all over the world in the narcotic traffic as this a counterfeit means whereby not only a generation of young people that have the illicit dope so readily available to them by an older generation becoming fat with the profits of it, this is a counterfeit where the devil says, take this and you'll be powerful, this and you'll be adequate to any situation. Take this, and it's the devil's counterfeit. It's the wrong way to achieve, to receive, to have that which man desires in the deep of his soul. Satan provides a great many counterfeits. God, in the creation of his beautiful and wonderful world, has given us glorious things, has given us a world to live in and a world to enjoy. The great God who knows everything created man, beautiful and perfect, and woman, magnificent, and beautiful to be his companion. He created them as sexual creatures to know the joy of that fulfillment of one in the other. Sex is God's great and beautiful gift to mankind. But Satan comes and Satan says, this is coin of the realm that'll buy more than God says it'll buy. And so, illicit sex and perverted sex becomes an avenue that many walk in order to try to achieve an inner adequacy that they lack, a satisfaction, a power, if you please, 
but it's counterfeit. And it never has and it never will. Sex out of the circle of God's intended purposes and the thrill and the enjoyment of it as God gave it outside the bounds of God's gift. It is illicit and it's counterfeit and it cheapens and it takes power instead of giving power. Crime. There are those who go into the realms of crime in order to achieve power. And on the world standards, there are many who say, yes, this is power to be able to command millions of dollars in all the crime syndicates of the world. But this is not true power. There are those who seek these satisfactions and seek the fulfillments of life simply by being oddball, by looking crazy, by dressing crazy, by acting crazy, just by being different, by being odd. There are those who really are seeking in their odd and strange and peculiar behavior and looks. They're seeking a satisfaction of soul. And they're simply walking the wrong street. We won't find it that way. But this inner power, this inner strength, this inner joy, this inner love, the knowledge of love, that we are loved and that we are capable of loving. This grace in the New Testament, to use the Bible term, this grace does not come to any of us merely for the wishing. If that were so, uh, there would be no one in the world weak or distracted or harried or nervous. There's always a price to be paid. A great part of that price has already been paid. And when we come to realize that and then not try to use the cheap substitutes, then we're on our way. Consider, consider for just a few minutes what the Bible is all about, what church is all about, what the teachings of Jesus are all about is in this difficult, not difficult to understand, but difficult to apply passage of Scripture that Jesus has given us in the 10th chapter of Mark's Gospel. What Jesus was saying to that rich young man, he could well be saying to anybody in this congregation, for we're rich, how rich every one of us, the poorest one of us is rich, rich in so many things. And Jesus could say to us, as he said to the young man, inward power, inward strength, inward joy, the knowledge of the love of God poured into your own life, this will not be found where most of us have been looking for it, in the material world or in outward things. 
when Jesus sought to illustrate greatness in the kingdom of God and the way that one must be if he is to know the joy of the kingdom of God. He took a little child and put him on his lap and he showed the trusting, full of faith, full of love little child. And he said, here's your example. Here is what we must seek after. The rich young ruler asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He asked the same question everybody asked. What must I do? How much must I have? How much must I give? How many churches must I belong to? How many sacraments must I observe? How much in the code of morality must I check off? What must I do in order that this sense of inadequacy in my life can be satisfied? Master, I recognize that you're a good master. What must I do? I've done everything I know to do. What else can I do? That was his question. In the times when it's difficult for us to pray, in the times when it's difficult for us to be the kind of witnesses we want to be, in the time that that deep inner satisfaction seems to be missing, what normally do we ask? What else can I do? What else can I do? And that's what the rich young man asked Jesus. Jesus, wise, gave him the list of the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not honor thy father and thy mother. He was a fine young fellow. For without any guile, there was no hypocrisy in him. He was a genuinely sincere, fine young man. And he was genuinely seeking of the Lord. And when the Lord told him about these things, with a genuineness, he said, Master, I've observed all of these things from my youth, and I'm still unhappy. No satisfaction. I'm still empty. And I think if all of the conversation had been recorded for us, he probably would have said, and good master, if I were to die tonight the way I feel, I'm, I'm just, I just don't know whether I'd go and be in the presence of God or not. I just don't know. I just feel empty, good master. I have no assurance of eternal life. What do I need? What do I do? And Jesus, knowing that the young man, so fine in so many ways, obedient to the commandments and to the laws of his Jewish faith, Jesus was not fussing at him 
are giving him an impossible task, but Jesus who always sizes us up exactly the way things are. Jesus looked at him and he knew that the thing the young man liked more than anything else was really his bank account, what he had, his material possessions, and that was his God. And you see, his God had not given him satisfaction. And Jesus said, you've got to go and get rid of your God, a false God, a counterfeit God. You go, you get rid of what you've got. And when you do that, then you come back and I'll give you a cross and you take up that cross and follow me. And then you'll know eternal life. And you'll know a joy and a peace and a satisfaction and the love of God will then flow into your heart and into your life. And the young man went away sorrowing because he was not willing to take Jesus at his word. He loved what he had more than he really loved God. Oh, getting up in the world may increase your personal prestige and something of your material power, but getting up in the world will not give you an inner peace and that interrelatedness to God because, you see, the line of communication, the umbilical cord between our souls and the eternal God is not composed of the material possessions. Getting is not synonymous with living. And so you see, Jesus was saying to the young fellow that this inner power, this inner peace is linked to the quality of your love. Whosoever will not receive the kingdom as a little child, said Jesus, trusting, loving God, taking God for granted, knowing that God is there with a power that never runs out is a glorious thing. So you see, our name for trust is faith and it's love. And God's grace, God's inner peace and inner power and inner joy comes to a man when that man's personal trust is placed in the living Savior. Most of us go about our religious life thinking about religion, that religion is living a good life or it's merely the acceptance of certain beliefs, certain dogmas. But neither one of these is enough. For real Christianity, real true faith, first and last, is always a personal relationship to God. It's like falling in love. This matter of getting religion 
is the venture into the unknown. It's hard to understand and it's difficult to describe, but it makes all the difference in the world. When you fall in love, you're different. And the person you love is different. When you know that somebody loves you, it does something to you and it does something for you. So this inward peace, this inward power comes about when we become committed to the things of the kingdom. The grace of God pours abundantly into the committed life. Lukewarm commitment always results in a lukewarm life. Sideline religion is no religion at all. It's no Christianity at all. Pericles was the ruler of Greece in its most golden day. Pericles was the architect of the magnificent Parthenon on top of the Acropolis. And Pericles propagated a law, and the law read like this. If an insurrection begins, those who start it will be banished. Those who stop it will be honored and rewarded. But those who only stand by and watch and do not take sides, these will be killed as enemies of the state. Dante, in the writing of that great poem, The Inferno, describes a group of people caught between heaven and hell. And the question is asked, who are they? And he says, speak not of them, for they are those who gave their life for nothing and to nothing. And now heaven cannot receive them and hell will not have them. The uncommitted life, not even good enough for hell. The example of the committed life is Jesus. And in Jesus, the expression of God's love poured out in full measure so that when Jesus spoke to the young man of the cross, he was speaking to him of the love of God. For the manger and the cross all speak of God's love poured out, given to us all, who by personal faith are willing to receive it. Do you want that inner inadequacy filled with that sense of new strength and power, then give your life to Jesus. Do you want a joy, for joy is now absent? Then identify yourself with his cause. Take a definite stand with his church, which holds the banner not only of the cradle, but the banner of the cross very high.
and bend your back to do the word of a Christian. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and then all these other things will surely and definitely and positively be added to your life. As we sing hymn number 216, I am resolved no longer to linger charmed by the world's delights. This is the hymn of opportunity. It's a hymn where you can give your allegiance Make a commitment that you will be willing to do what Jesus says do. Open your heart to him. Let him in. Live for him. And he'll do what he's promised. As we stand and sing, will you come? Heavenly Father, grant that we, by the power that can come to us only in the presence of your Holy Spirit, that we will not be as the foolish young man who made his decision, somehow feeling that Jesus was not enough. Our Father, in the midst of the excitement and the joy of our Christmas season, help us, we pray, help us to keep our eyes 
solidly fixed upon the cross and to know that in the cross in him who died there for us we have the full measure of your power and of your love for our lives forgive us father when we've been satisfied to live weak spiritual lives unsatisfied and unfulfilled or when we have sought to have our strength in ways that do not please you but lord by your power by the power of your holy spirit charge our lives so that in the living of the christian life we may be a blessing to others and in the giving of love no love bless us through this day until we gather again in this your house tonight to give a witness to the world that we love you. In Jesus' name we pray.